This is season two, episode 30. Good morning, folks. Uh, it may We don't know what day of the week it is for you, but for us, it's Tuesday morning. And Holy this is week. Faith Over Breakfast of Holy Week. Yep. And uh, I'm Andy Littleton from Mission Church in Tucson, Arizona. I'm sitting across the table from my buddy Eric Seepin, who has poured out half of his coffee for me um, that that I might not sit here with with a you know with nothing to drink. So, I did that because of the gospel only. Christ poured out his life for me, so I poured half my coffee out for you. It was a beautiful metaphor. Thank you. <laughs> We're talking about we listened to uh, we we talked a little bit about um, some of the recent controversy around Pete Buttigieg and his faith uh, and his uh, practice of homosexuality. And in light of uh, another talk that was given by Sam Albury um, about, which is titled, Is God Anti-Gay? And we kind of compared notes and and, uh, worked out our thoughts on the topic. So again, these are unscripted talks where we just sit down and as pastors, we just just have a conversation with each other. You're invited to the table and we hope you enjoy. Eric, good morning. How are you doing? You've got, you have coffee. I have coffee. I'm jealous. I've I've had coffee, but and I ate breakfast, but not in the way I would like. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Did you like eat in your underwear or like uh, what do you mean you would eat? I would not like to eat in my underwear. Okay, so that's... yeah, I'm not comfortable doing anything in just my underwear personally. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's not my thing. Um. Well, there you go. That was a good podcast. Uh, now you know. <laughs> Welcome to Faith Over yeah. Breakfast. This is episode twenty. <laughs> well, I, I had I I I stayed in for the morning. Normally, I'd kind of be out and about before this, but we we have an exterminator coming to our house. They didn't arrive yet, but I had to stay home while Michaela took Abby to school, um, just in case they showed up. And so I. I ate a little frozen burrito and had some coffee at home, which is fine. Which yeah, is very good, very frugal, economical, economical. Um, and it and it helped me stay home. Yeah. But but boy, do I wish I had a nice cup right now just to be sipping on. And there's yours, just yep, staring. There's at mine, me. staring at you. Yeah, kind of jealous. You should be. I am. Well, yeah, good. I'm doing what I should do for the first time. <laughs> Always. Always. So so that's my morning. How are you? Oh, I had a good morning. Hung out with a seventh grader. Oh yeah, you did that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, you've had a better conversation than you're going to have right now. That's oh, good. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so, so, uh, you seem on board with my topic. I texted. Yeah, I even texted you back. You right? did. You even texted me back. That's where our relationship's really going somewhere. Yeah, I'm trying to meet your your longings. Are you? Yeah. Wow. At least the ones you've expressed. Good luck with that. Um, so I, yeah, here's a lot of that. So let's talk about this. Uh, we're going to title it. You know, does God hate gays? So there you go. Are we? Yeah. I mean, I hope, <laughs> I hope we don't. Anyway. I hope we don't do that. Or I hope. Well, no, maybe that's fine. It's clickbaity. I'm sure. Yeah, we need but, as much clickbaity as we can get. But so here's the thing. So the. That talk, Sam Sam Alberry's talk, is God anti-gay, is one that I that I sent over to you. Yeah, and I listened to it. Very good. Yeah, it was very good. And then the other thing, so that popped up on my phone, and I went interesting because another I'd seen somebody share some stuff about uh, Pete Buttigieg. Is mm-hmm. that how you say? It? I think it's Buttigieg. 
Okay, I didn't. I didn't presidential that. candidate. Yeah, I didn't really yeah. think much about him, but yeah, I've been hearing about him. I mean, I've seen, and interestingly, I have seen somebody was lamenting about how the left was ripping him apart for being a Christian. I saw somebody on the right that was saying he can't define his own, he can't create his own version of Christianity. He can't do that, and so. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is, you know, openly gay, married, presidential candidate, right? Um, who's who's saying that you know he's he's an outspoken Christian, right? So, yeah, this, this has come up in some talk in our community a little bit, and and then I went and listened to Sam Albury's talk, and I did I read some quotes, uh, Buttigieg quotes. I just thought we are – this is confusing because, you know, I'm – I personally don't feel confused, but I would I would say people in our community are probably hearing sides of this thing and, and are probably confused and going, how is it that two really well-spoken, you know, kind Christians are saying two different things – in fact, two – I mean – Sam Albury would say, you know, all of his sexual desires are for for the same sex for other men, but they are concluding two very different things that that they should do as Christians and what it would mean to be a Christian. So, right, right. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. I thought it might be helpful for some folks to sure. hear pastors talk about that over coffee. Over one. Over one. one coffee, yeah. Oh, well, I have two cups. Would you like me to pour half of it in on one of the cups so that you could also have some of it? It has cream in it. That's it. Yeah, I do want that. All right. So, you, so it's both over. <laughs> so here you go. So now it's it's a little lukewarm, but it's it, it's, yeah. it's good. You aren't like vomiting today? No, I'm very healthy. Sweet. Today, so. Man, look at that. Locally grown, it says. I don't believe it. First watch, locally grown? Yeah. First of all, first of all. <laughs> There's no coffee grown here in Arizona. You liars. Locally means in the U.S. That's also not happening. Yeah. No, I mean. Well. In the backyards of many people, they collect it. That's how it works. And then they roast it somewhere. This is garbage. (laughs) Anyway, okay. But I'm drinking it. But you're going to drink the garbage, and now you will understand truly. Oh, I'm back. You're back. And and really, since this is your topic, I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I'd really love it if you would talk a little bit about it. I just did. Well, you did. You talked about the fact that there's a question. Yeah. And I want to hear what you actually think about the question, because there are two streams here that you... Right. There's one stream that says, look, like, I, I follow Jesus. I believe Jesus is my savior. He's what gives me life. But I also believe that he's given me these desires. And I, I, I did see one comment by Peter about how he actually, his marriage deepens his faith. Right. And right. so he certainly has a different understanding of scripture than Sam. Yes. And so I, I, I kind of would like and, you and to... And of Jesus, it seems. from Well, now, I've listened to Sam more in depth because I listened to the podcast and I was familiar with him. I, yeah, I, I didn't delve too. too deep into into his I haven't read any of his books or anything like that. But um I have not listened to Buttigieg work out his I don't think he has thinking I've logical position. Yeah. I have quotes, you know, so I I read one that 
you know, somebody had criticized it. And it's got to be hard. I, I'll just put this on the table. It must be hard to run for public office and then have to put all your personal stuff out there. and Sure. And you have to be confident about it and all that. There's that. So I'm not, I would never say that this is just easy and no problem. But he he made some comment uh, akin to saying, God made me this way, so therefore it's right. Right. Um, and who are you? If you argue with that, you're arguing with God. And I just think that's troublesome. Yeah, it's a troublesome statement. Because if you're going to say that about one thing, you have to be willing to say it about every inclination of the heart. Because if, if a desire means it something is right, you, you got to be consistent. And if you were consistent with that statement, you know, what right do you have to tell anybody what to do? How, what right do you have to be in politics? Because that's all about telling people what to do. Right. Right. So that's that's where it didn't take long for me to go. I don't know how that works. I, you know, I has he thought that out? Has he thought out the implications of because this is the identity I feel it's absolutely from God? Um, what is that? You know, somebody feels that they hate, you know, brown skinned people. They feel it deeply. It colors everything. It's, it feels so true to them. Of God, you know, I don't think Buttigieg would say yes. So where do you draw the line? So, you know, I, I think what Alberry's doing in, in the podcast is he he worked out out of the scriptures some pretty clear, and he didn't. He really didn't. He, the title was "Is God Anti-Gay?" But then he ended up just saying, "Look, there are principles that apply to every part of our lives." We're talking about here, right? So maybe we should talk about maybe we should set the table by basically talking about that from a biblical perspective and right. and then work our way down from there. So yeah, good. You can kind of help me do that because I I'm not going to be able to clearly do all of it from what he said. Um, but he starts with the conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees right. about divorce. Yeah, which is also a you know, has to do with sexuality. Different, yes. but yeah, similar. Right, and Jesus answers their... So basically, he says that they're attempting to trap Jesus right. in this trap of if he says, oh, you know, it's all okay, then he's violating the law. Yeah. And if he says, no, it's not okay, then he's going to get himself in trouble with the people. Right. Because we know actually yeah. divorce was actually pretty prevalent, Very prevalent in the culture at the time. Yeah. Much more prevalent than it is now. Yeah, which is interesting because the way that yeah. a lot of evangelical circles would talk about it, it's like this is some new phenomenon. No, yeah, it's not. No, yeah. no, it was it was much worse in the first century than it is now. Uh, and so Jesus appeals further back into the Bible, into the beginning of time, mm -hmm. and right. talks about the image-bearing intention of God's yeah. creation yep. and the oneness between male and female and the divineness of that, basically. Right. These are he he lays out what I often argue, you know, when people tell me, well, the Bible never really talks about homosexuality and it's talking about promiscuous, you know, promiscuousness right. outside of marriage and it's not talking or about rape or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and and I said it's no, the entire Bible from verse one 
you know, to the very end of Revelation, it talks about sexuality. Right. And it, it talks about yep. image bearing, and it talks about marriage, and it talks about, I mean, in, in its Marriage metaphors. is there before, it's a, what theologians would call a creation ordinance. It yes. far predates the commandments, right. and the, but it's given by God. Sure. Yeah, very silly argument to argue. And they right. he basically carefully lays that out yep. by showing that Jesus appeals to this when understanding divorce yep. and the intention of marriage. Right. And so much so that his disciples are so shocked that they say, well, then who should get married, yeah. right? And he and he went on to say, if we're not casting marriage to be that big of a deal, we're probably not talking about it as Jesus did at all. Like right. the people of the church should really be thinking, should we even do this? Right. Instead of just going, hey, cool, you're cute. And then Jesus also in that conversation, I mean, it's an amazing conversation goes on to talk about the eunuch and about celibacy. And yep. that the only option outside of marriage of between a male and a female is celibacy. Right. And so Jesus lays it all out. Jesus speaks about all of these things. He's very clear about them. Um, but I think the thing that he makes the most powerful point about in his sermon is the fact that Jesus talks about you know what comes what comes yeah. out of your mouth is an evidence of what is in your heart yeah. and that in our hearts without God's transformation is the darkest parts of who we are right and so and and Albert contrast that with the the going um wisdom of the day so that our the going wisdom of our day would be follow your heart i mean every disney movie right yes oh my goodness and um and it would be look deep inside of you find your truest self and it would be wrong to deny that because that is who you are. Right. And um, and Jesus does not. No, it does not say go that, that way about anything. Jesus is very yeah. anti Disney kids films. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna put it out there. He is God anti Disney? He would. That would be. That may be our title. For this. <laughs> is God anti Disney? Okay. Then we'll never say hardly anything about Disney in the podcast. But there you go. Right, and yeah, and he he gets at that, and he said this. So this is a very offensive thing to say in our culture, but it's not just about um, sexuality. Actually, it's everything. It's the question is not look deep within within yourself. It's when you look deep within yourself, you should be aware that there's going to be disorder um, within ourselves. And I think culturally, we're oddly very aware of that. Yes. In a way. We are. And in a way, we deny it. Yes. Um, like we are, oh boy, are we trying to get rid of the disordered desires of people that we you know, think are, are trouble. Right. And we are adamant and we are pharisaical. But in the areas especially, I mean, and, and those are especially other-oriented, including sexuality. Yes. And then when, but when we look at ourselves, it's you must... Follow your heart. But then if somebody else follows theirs and it goes somewhere that violates our values, then you must not, right? Right. And, it, and culturally, that's not going to hold up. Right. That, yeah. So in this world that is, is, you know, I think at a point where there are so many worldviews beginning to clash in the public sphere – Whereas True, maybe truly secular. Yes, maybe yeah. thirty years ago, the Judeo-Christian ethic was maybe beginning its eroding process. Yeah. But the, the the conversation it controlled the conversation a lot more than it controls the conversation now. The way, yeah, I heard Tim Keller say, and I thought it was helpful. He said, "The what was it? 
he said most people were basing their viewpoints as if the furniture in their home was all Judeo-Christian. They didn't realize it. Right. But all the chairs they were sitting on and all the couches had that backing. Yeah. And now the furniture is generally gone. Um, and that's – so as as Christians, we need to understand that people don't have those assumptions now generally. Right. Um, and there's a and, – and everybody's furniture is based on very different right. assumptions. So then the question becomes as we wrestle with – Peter, and I don't know how to say his last name, but this presidential candidate who's openly gay and connecting it to his faith. And those of us who who are saying, no, we want to follow Jesus in the way that he is clearly laid out in Scripture, um, and we see that as a true experience of God and what we might call an alternative kingdom. Right. Like, how do you and I operate? How do we do that? How do we engage with this kind of candidacy? How do we engage politically? How do we engage... Even in our own culture with our friends who are wrestling with these things and maybe who aren't following Jesus but are in that conversation with us, like okay. what do we what do we do? What are we called to? How do we do this? Yeah, and I just want to clarify, I'm not questioning whether Buttigieg could be a president for the United States necessarily. Um, that's not really the question I want to put forward. I, I would have I, – I also – I do not think our current president has the moral high ground. Okay, um, so so that's not my point. Um, the for me, it's more just ciphering out or siphoning siphoning out this idea of Christian faith and sexuality, and you know, because I just think it's bringing his presence in the political sphere is bringing up that question for Christians, and I would assume many in our community. So that's, I mean, what do we do? I think it's just how should we view um, the Christian claim in light of things like this? And, and and I'm not saying, I don't know a thing about this guy, other than a little bit I've heard in the news. Right. right? But I think that's just the question people are at. That's what I hear people struggling with. Right. Well, I think they're struggling with it, but I guess it goes back to how do we deal with it? Right. How do we talk, have the conversation? I mean, because like we said, there's a plurality of understandings. And in our church, you know, we're all in different places as we're walking with Jesus, understanding these processes, yep. trying to figure out how we feel about what Scripture says, how we practice it. Um, so what do we do? Like, you know. How do we how do we talk about this? Because yep. in a culture where you say, okay, look, like here's what I believe personally. I follow Jesus, and in following Jesus, I believe that God created marriage as, like you said, a creation ordinance. It's something holy that God uses to reflect His church. He right. uses it to reflect His return. Right. Like he is a metaphor. He, it's how I understand God. It's a metaphor for the whole relationship between God and humanity. Yes. It's meant to to teach us something. And the relationship between God and humanity doesn't always feel compatible, nor does it feel happy right. or good or like the desire of our hearts. Right. Right. So what yeah. I he- when I lay that out for somebody, um, I guess the question becomes is, am I trying to bring that particular um, way of living and way of understanding into my country and into right. the or- ordinance I see, I see and laws? Yeah. Or am I trying to offer this as a way that I am going to live out my life and am I going to say hey I can't I can't vote for this guy because of this or I can because it doesn't matter because this is the the, the secular area of life and, and my faith is yeah. a private area like these are questions that people oh, yeah. 
Or wrestling. And, and, and I would feel, I mean, just quick answers to that would be there is not a secular area of your life in a religious area. Uh, I right. would say that. Yeah. There's no dividing line between your faith and your life. But then again, you need to understand that we, I mean, our whole word secular comes from the theologian Augustine and his idea of the city of God. And he says, we live in the seculum, which is the time in between um, the inauguration of the kingdom and kingdom come in which multiple kingdoms have to coexist together. And we live out of the realities of the coming kingdom now, but we, but we're well aware that this is not it. So the trouble comes when we try to make our nation and our current situation kingdom come. We have to understand it as secular, I would say. Right. So we have to understand that it will be, you know, diverse and it will be ruled by, you know, people who are who have different viewpoints and such such things. And we're fighting for the common good, which is going to include things that we deeply believe in that we think right. should be a part of the kingdom someday. But we have to realize it's not ultimate. So if the idea is you know, if basically if what you would say is only people from my exact understanding of Christianity can rule in this country and that's the way God wants it, I would say I I don't think so. Right. So, and I, I think here's where, where people have a hard time, and that is that because I think they understand within the Christian world, let's just talk about evangelical world, I think they believe, and you know, you and I would fall somewhere in this, that Scripture is saying that marriage is this very unique thing that we already talked about and right. how it reflects the kingdom of God and all that. And so all of a sudden when our culture begins to say, no, that's not even a, a, resemb- a resemblance of that or a semblance like, yeah. of that is, is, is even good. We want to throw that out. Right. We have a hard time. But if I'm going to vote for a Democrat who's going to you know, bomb a certain country – I might be okay with that because he goes along with what everything else or or vice versa. Right. Like I'm not I'm okay at some level with violence. I'm okay at some level with a whole economically how I'm going to treat the poor or not treat the right. poor. But when it comes to this issue, yeah. This issue, we yeah. have graduated this one up very very very, we have. very high. It has graduated yeah. as and, a as a whole. I'm not talking about you me specific people in our church, but as a culture. Yes. This has become the the thing. And it's yeah. the thing we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about gender fluidity. We're talking right. about what makes us male and female, right. how we feel and identify right. ourselves, um, how we force one another to identify ourselves. Like, this right. is a conversation that is uh, in the forefront of our culture right, right. now. Right. Absolutely. And so the question just becomes how, as Christians, do we dialogue with this? Mm-hmm. And I, I guess to me, it's like, the reality is that, that all of us, I mean, I like what he says, internally, our heart is broken. Our heart is sinful. Our heart is is confused. And you can't come into people's hearts who are broken, confused, and, and I don't know. You can't say, hey, this is how it all has to be. Get in line now. Right. That's, yes. That's not, that's not how it works. A, functionally, it just doesn't work. It's... Nobody, by hearing you're wrong, changes their heart's desire. No, right, and um, and so if you're if you're trying to do a Christian thing, everything we know about the Christian gospel is God didn't come down and incarnate and step onto the planet and say, "Hey, you're wrong, get it right, and then leave." Um, 
not how it worked. It won't. It's not how it's going to work for us. But here's what I think would happen, and this is the thing: is I actually think Jesus would have trouble with Donald Trump, and oh, Jesus sure. would have trouble with Peter Beggerger, or however he says his last name, Burger, because because Buttigieg, because they both claim yep. to be his followers, and he has yep. expectations of them. Yep, I th- I think that is the probably the most tr- not not the exact like what they do with their but the the claiming to be, and I agree. I see. Personally, in our current president, this is a major problem um, of claiming to be a follower, but but not following, not bearing fruit and keeping with repentance. Yes, if we're going to use yes. the words of John the Baptist yes. for a moment, yeah, that's very good. Good and, words. And uh, and but I think the same the same quote. And I don't. I think I talked about last time the last uh, presidential election. They went and saw it. They they studied the Gospel Coalition. I think looked into who. Which of these candidates are actually Attending good church. standing members of a church? And there was only one, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, <laughs> right? <laughs> but and it wasn't probably that didn't necessarily mean that doesn't that doesn't say everything. But it means that if all of these people who are big, their big thing is Christianity, they're saying who aren't even they don't even have a pastor, right? Then what? Yeah, right. So I think he would speak. Like he spoke to the Pharisees, he Agreed. would speak to Peter and Donald yep. this way. Like I think he would confront them with their hypocrisy yep. and force them to either acknowledge the faith and the and the obedience he's calling them into or to reject it and actually just claim who they are and what they – And like the rich young ruler, yeah. the, the, you could follow me or you can walk away. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's One part of, the two. of it. I think the hard part of all of this is when the rubber meets the road and it's your next-door neighbor who you deeply love, yep. who all of a sudden you're in conflict with, not because you're pushing it on them, but because they want to know what you think because you're yep. a Christian. Yep. And what they see in the world is that Christians are judgmental. Christians have these weird views about sexuality. Christians and, – and how do you begin that dialogue? Uh-huh. You know, And I think people – I find it so. My my daughter, you know, she's grown up in this. My son has grown up in this, and yeah. I was having this conversation with him at a breakfast, and we were talking about gender fluidity, and we were talking about, you know, pronouns you would use, and and you know, he's thirteen, so he says, "Ah, dad, you know, I've just grown up with this, so I'm used to it. Yeah. Like you haven't grown up with it, so it's just weird to you. So it's harder for you to kind of swallow." And I'm like, uh, "Okay," and I said, "Well, what do you think about?" It? He's like, "Oh, it's wrong." But I, you know, I'm used to it, and like, yeah, so you know, so I mean, culturally, it, it, like even him, like, it's not even a top. Like he just he's okay. It just like, oh, my friend, like she identifies as a boy. Okay, like, right. I'm not really addressing that issue with her. Right. You know, we're just friends. Right. And I think that's interesting because you and I, like, like, and maybe and I think he'll have to face this as he gets older and. Right. Has to deal with more well, somebody, substance and issues. somebody will ask, "Well, you're a Christian. What do you think?" And and then he's going to have to make the choice of, "Do I say, oh, no big deal, or yes. do I say what I said to my dad back when we were talking when I was 13 that right. it's wrong?" And when they're hurt by that, how am I going to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and 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 it's it's I can see the wrestling. You know, even with my daughter, like she was less, she was more willing to confront authority. With oh, their judgment yeah. of her faith, which forty, fifty years ago, 
would have been the thing you never would have done, but right. you absolutely would have confronted somebody in their sexuality. Well, even yeah. just even the way they treated her faith. Yeah. Like she's willing to confront them there, but not confront or yeah. engage her peers with their like the two different yeah. lifestyles they're living sure. that are very obvious because she wasn't keeping her faith hidden. Right. But she didn't speak she didn't want to enter that dialogue. She wanted them to be okay with where they were at. Right. Yeah. And this is a very costly dialogue to have because it right is. now, like if if you have a friend who you dearly love who's in the, you know, the LGBT or LGBTQ community and they find out that you have a conviction that you know sexuality ought to be shaped by scripture. Right. The chances of them still wanting to be your friend are very low. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting not surprising, but you know, what what do you think will be the the result of the folks and the churches who are saying, you know, it really is God made me this way because I feel this, or because people feel this, it's good. Where do you think that leads? Well, it, it makes something that you and I believe pretty strongly in is it kind of loses its efficacy and that is the speaking of the word over people right. because when you begin to have that kind of conversation what you're saying is the scripture itself really doesn't have that much doesn't have much to say about the way I'm going to live my life and that's exactly the way I've you know to I, I listened to a conversation on this uh, by the liturgists and essentially what it came down to the big question was look, but doesn't the Bible say this? And I think actually the Bad Christian podcast, same conversation, uh, or similar that I that I listened to. And it comes down, at the end of the day, what you have to say, if you're going to be here, is either part of Scripture is invalid, which would be the chunk, a chunk of the Old Testament, most of it, a lot of it, and Paul. You'd and have Jesus. To, yeah. and, and well, and Sam Albury is saying, and Jesus. Because some people want to parse out Jesus from the whole rest of the Bible. Well, they try to, yeah. And Sam Albury is saying, look, Jesus is uh, pointing back to Genesis. He's he's always pointing back to the Old Testament, so he doesn't abandon that. And he's also still you know, holding to the same you know, ethic. He's not saying that's how you get to God, but he's not undermining it. So the uh, that's where I've seen people go is the, the only way to do it is to eventually go, well— I'm, the Bible isn't isn't going to have any power over me. I'm not going to submit to that. Right. And then the question is, so what will you be submitting to? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Yeah, because you're always going to submit to something. Right. Yeah. Is it your heart? Right, you submit to yourself. I mean, there's the self-religion, right. you know. I mean, I guess the, the religion of humanism, but... How does that how does that reconcile you with your enemies? How does that teach you to lay your life down? It how doesn't. Does, it doesn't. It can't. Well, and that, unless it has self interest for you, in which case you've contaminated it. Yeah, and I I don't even remember the historian's name, but he is a recent historian. I saw him in a conversation with N.T. Wright. Uh-huh. He wasn't a Christian. He is a, and then he became one. He's a. Is it Noel? Mark Noel? Is it Mark Noel? Maybe that's maybe. the one who he was. You know, he's a an expert on Greek. And, and Roman antiquity, Could and he's looking at he's looking at this, and he he's like his entire life what he believed was everything that he's inherited 
has come from the Romans and the Greeks. Mm. Like they've given us good government. They've given us a way to understand people and dignity and all this. And he's he's beginning to reflect on it more and more. And he's thinking about the violence of the Roman Empire yeah. and killing. You know how many people the they killed. The licentiousness of the Greeks and yes, yeah. and all and all of this stuff. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. Well, why on earth do I feel all? Why why is my culture this way? And he starts. And what he said is what he realized because if you study antiquity. You have to study Paul. Right. Um, that Paul is like this depth charge that's laid under a Roman society, yeah. and then it just explodes. Yeah. You know, and Jesus obviously is the is the the TNT of which that's yeah. made up of. But uh, so everything that we've inherited, the the reason that you and I are even willing to think about loving others, the why we have human rights, you know, all those kinds of things come from Paul right. and Jesus. You know, but Pauline writings—they come from oh, his yeah. way of laying things out, and you know, and that was his journey into becoming a Christian and a follower mm. of Jesus. I think we were we've forgotten what we've inherited, oh, and yes. even the absolutely even the argument yeah. of of borrowed capital. James K. A. Smith calls it. We we've forgotten all of the borrowed capital that we have from Christianity. Yeah. As even as a culture now, why do we why the human rights stuff? Why do we think that wrongs should be why punished we, and why do we think that people should be rehabilitated and all these where oh did we yeah. get those? Where ideas? do we get all that stuff? Where do we get the fact that we should even honor a conversation about gender fluidity from right. Christianity? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the people that the people don't realize that the enemy that they are are trying to like fight and say is, you know, the one that's trying to oppress them is actually the one who's Given them the principles to have the conversation freely, freely. openly, without, yes, yeah, you could, and being disagreed with, but not destroyed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, because there was a there was a day in history, and and, and I know Christians have failed. I don't want to, but no, there sure. was a day in history where this kind of stuff you'd just be done, right? You you know you'd be silenced, and and in many ways the teachings of Christianity as they've been learned over the you know over the years and and tried and tested and failed at, but they do not lend to destroying a person because of their viewpoint. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a hard, this is like a hard question and it's a hard thing to wrestle with. Right. And I I don't know. I mean, I think, I think partly why the village itself, you know, kind of our little motto is healing the city one person at a time is you can't deal with these, the complex issues of society you can't you can't prescribe whole like edicts over them. Right. You you have to take people's stories one Absolutely. one person at a time and begin to unpack the realities that have kind of created their narrative. Yep. Yeah. Um, Making general statements about what is what ought to be out to a culture isn't going to be transformative by and large. Yeah, and I think it used to be because the furniture right. as as Tim Keller says was already there. Yeah. So you could just tell people sit down, sit down on the couch, you'll be okay. Right. Now there's no couch. Yeah. People used to quote the Bible out to to the culture in general, and people went, "Uh oh, I well, I want to, I want to pay attention to that." Yeah. Now, no. Who cares? Right. The Bible's okay. Right. Yeah. Probably even when we talk about presidential candidates, the last candidate that was really able to do that like play on the Judeo-Christian ethic of, of our society was Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And after him, that, that we began the erosive process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I would, I guess the erosive process, but it, yeah, some, it, it's, it's been, been more, yeah. well, it's been going steep, on since right, the fall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And our culture kind of had 
was moving that direction. But yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know how how helpful that is. I don't know. At the end of the day, we're saying you've got to be shaped by the scripture, but we're also saying you're not going to just talk about the Bible with people or publicly or do a podcast and that's going to shape anything. You got to people's stories factor into all this. You got to you got to know people deeply to to know their story and to walk through things and then to introduce somebody to Jesus is is quite the pr- I mean that was one thing I got from Sam Alberry a friend invited him to church that wasn't really his his gig when he was younger and he went through the wrestling of what does Jesus say right. I should do right um but that had to do with having a real encounter with, with Jesus. Jesus personally yeah and that you know began with a trusted friend who didn't come in and say your life is xyz he just said hey uh want to try out church want to come come with me to you know, watch me worship God, I guess, or, you know, whatever it was like, you know, do you want to come to youth group <laughs> to a thing where, yeah, to youth group. And, and then it turned out and he thought, oh, this is going to be entertaining. And then it's some old guy just explaining the very basic principles of Christianity. And Sam Albury went, I have never, never heard that before, never heard that. And that's different. And, and then that led him to later go, well, what does Jesus say I should do? Right. And he wasn't his primary concern wasn't what do I want to do? Right. And that's and that's how it would occur, right? So yeah. one one thing we say that the process, no matter how you where you lie politically, the process as a follower of Jesus is to be in relationship with people yeah. and invite them to experience Jesus. Don't try to force them into a relationship with him, but yeah. to invite them to experience him. I think the second thing though and the thing that I have begun to to try to push on is I, I have gotten relatively angry at the mistreatment of Scripture mm. in the sense of people saying, oh, well, there's only seven verses that talk about this. Or, oh, and, and I don't think you should push back on that angrily, but I think you should at least say, yeah. especially because the people are saying that either they just heard that or they believe themselves to be some kind of biblical scholar – at some right. level, and you and you have to push on them and say, okay, well, that's not honest scholarship. That's right. not an honest statement. You are actually lying, and and not telling what is true. Right. So let's break down what Bible actually says about all of this because it's really really clear. And when people say Jesus doesn't say anything about this, let's say, okay, no, Jesus actually speaks about all of these things very yeah. clearly, and we can look at that. And I think. I don't think everybody knows that because the narrative that's been yelled out in the public square is, oh, the Bible doesn't really address homosexuality. It doesn't address gendered fluidity. It doesn't have anything to say about this. It just has a few verses about, you know, the way we should, you know, a man shouldn't lay with a, you know, this. And that's and probably a talking goat about some another terrible, man. crazy thing. Yeah. And that's not really. And, and, and then Jesus came and got rid of all that anyway, actually. Right. and Which – he, that wasn't his understanding. Right. I don't. I think any careful scholar would say that wasn't Jesus' understanding. No. And then they say, "Oh well," and Paul goes, and he's just a jerk. And right, but, and he's you know he's trying to address some of the brutalities of the Greco-Roman culture, and he's not actually addressing. No, this is you. That's all just, the disciples of Jesus accept the, the works of Paul and accept him as as an apostle. He right. he bases all of his theology on the Old Testament and the works and words of Jesus. Right. It's not, yeah, you can't, and and I think honest scholarship sees that. Right, and I think that's what we have to say, at least to go back and say, look, no, the breath of Scripture speaks very clearly. Jesus speaks to it directly. And and to be a Christian is to accept that. Right. Um, 
And so, and that that's the hard part is there is such a value in our day of holding on to Christianity. Um, and I'm not sure why. I keep, I've asked myself this question. If I were going to look at the Bible and there'd be a thing in there that said, it said, don't do that. And I thought that's wrong. I, I think I'd ditch the whole thing. Like it's confusing to me that someone would want to hold on to Christianity but say the Bible's invalid because that's where it, it's coming from. It's based on – without it, there is – it's not a thing. Um, right. So I don't get – personally, I don't get the uh, the middle groundy thing of saying I want Christianity without the Bible or most of the Bible or – Some of the Bible. Some of the Bible, my favorite parts only. Right. Well, I think you some know. of this is – comes down to the where we're in culture like we you probably hear i hear that oh no people are leaving the church sure and that the church is falling apart because you did a podcast on it oh, we've yeah. done two podcasts we have on as it. well yeah yeah but here's the the thing about the statistics those people who regularly attend church read their bibles yeah. engage they're not leaving right it stayed steady for years and years the people who are leaving the people who showed up on christmas right. maybe they go 10 times a year and now they're just leaving or, the, or it was their social connecting point yes yeah and they they're the ones who check none. And so yep. in the dialogue, we now have three peop, three groups. We have people who are saying, "No, this is my faith," and that's about a quarter of the U.S. Then we have you know the other quarter to a third saying, "This used to be my faith, but now it's not. I'm a nun." Right. And then we have the rest saying, "I don't belong to this faith at all." Right. And that's the dialogue we're now having. Right. Is all three groups are dialoguing instead yeah. of just two groups, and so it's made the dialogue very interesting. And, and confusing and well and in the none category or in the but there, there's a group within there that's saying i am fully christian yes but i view it all different yeah and that's the that's what's confusing yeah i would me. agree with you yeah and I, i've been thinking about this you know so i have a good good relationship with several or a number of pastors here in town you know but would you because this is i think the most frustrating part to me like it confuses me when a pastor or a leader or someone who's saying, I represent scripture and I, I represent Christianity, when behind closed doors they go, you know, I I don't really buy X, Y, and Z of the Bible, and I just think it's, you know, all, all roads lead to God, but I'm still doing this Christianity thing because this is my tradition. That frustrates me more than Right. Just about anything. Yeah, it's like, please, please stop. Like, please say that. Please put out on your sign, Get take Christian off the sign and put out on your sign, um, I think all roads, you know, the church of all roads lead to God. And let people see that and understand that this is not, right. you know, Christian. That would be much more honest and, um, and less confused because there's a bunch of people who think that you're leading them in the teaching of the scripture and, and you're not. Right. Anyway, that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, I really I think we we probably don't have more too much more to say about this topic. I think you're right. <laughs> well, thanks for uh thanks for going there with me and thanks for sharing your coffee. Yeah, no, you're welcome. That was sacrificial.